0: TV host, speaker, best-selling author, and proud fur mama, and I'll be sharing real talks with successful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, best-selling authors, spiritual luminaries, and high-performance experts in this unfiltered, transformational, and soul-centered podcast. Things are about to get real. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey there. Welcome back to Fire and Soul. You guys are in for a huge treat today. This is basically 17 years coming. I will explain in a moment, but let me give you the first, a brief bio on our dear friend uh, and guest today. Build as personal trainer for SMART. Strong, successful women, dating coach Evan Mark Katz has been helping singles since 2003. He's the author of four books, most recently, Believe in Love, and has been featured in hundreds of media outlets, including The Today Show, New York Times, CNN, and many others. Since 2015, Evan's blog has over 30 million readers. His podcast, which, by the way, I'm obsessed with, has over 1 million downloads, and 12,000 women have graduated. Graduated from Love You. Can't wait to share more about that. His six month video course that helps women understand men and find love. Evan is very happily married and lives in Los Angeles with his wife and their two children. Evan, I am so excited to finally get you here. Welcome to the show.
1: I'm, I'm <laughs> as excited as you are because you're right. This has been a long time coming.
0: I know I was trying to reflect back on when we met, and it, w- it had to have been almost 20 years ago. I think I was on, a, on some dating website and I dated your roommate at the time. ringing a bell
1: Possible. Both of us had a had a pretty prolific online dating experience, but that, that <laughs> might, might be it. I, yeah. remember, I remember you from after that I think it was before I met my wife, but you and post a. Apprentice? Were you on The Apprentice? Oh, good Lord. Post-Apprentice post yeah. post oh. for you. Whoa. And some sort of convergence of worlds and uh, like ships passing in the night. We we're going to work together. Maybe you were going to be a matchmaker. I don't know. You, you always had a million, a million ideas.
0: Yes. So, um, and you've always been staying in one very narrow lane. God bless you. Cause here <laughs> you are 17 years later, changing lives tangibly. So I mentioned it at the top, but his podcast guys, and all the resources will be in the show notes, but love you. The podcast is so freaking good. I was telling Evan before I hit record that I had binged on multiple episodes, three in a row the other night not just because I wanted to prep for this because my listeners know I don't really prep a ton. It's all very much in real time. And also I hand select my guests. So I typically have some sort of context. Right. But with you, I was like, what is he saying on his podcast? Because I knew that you were the real deal. I know, you know, how not to be anything other than that. That was a double negative, but you get the point. And then when I had broadcast that I was having Dr. Cheryl Fraser on and you're like, what? And then I went back to that episode because you sent it that she was on your show. And that was a huge hit with my listeners last week. And this is just feels so beautiful full circle. So again, so happy that you're here. Can I share really quickly though, how this came to be in terms of what I posted, your response, the back and forth, because I want to just get really real right out of the gate with my listeners. Your show, I'm just a you. like, I'll just, you know, let you talk, Michelle. All right. Uh, I promise we're going to get to you in a moment. <laughs> so I had posted several weeks back now. I was like making a big declaration. Okay, that's it. I'm rolling out the red carpet for love for the first time in my life. I'm making love a priority. And I meant it in that moment. I really meant it. And I was so like open and yes. And then you were like, I can help you with that. And then we had some fun exchange on the public post all around how. And I was like, I'd love you to be on my podcast. And then it went to private message. And you were like, I'd also just be happy to help. I don't need to come on the show. And I was like, no, I want you on the show because we have a lot of strong, smart, successful single females that listen. And then it kind of went back and forth with, well, Michelle, you know, let's have the conversation about why you're single and how we can help you overcome that and find true love. And I was like, oh. But if I did that, then I would have to share the one thing that's been holding me back for the last nine months and why I really haven't dated at all. And I was like, I'm not willing to do that, Evan, but if you're still willing to come on and we can just be of service to the overall greater good of of your mission. And I know the intention of so many of my listeners, you're like, great. So long story, probably long, we got you here. And at the top of the call, I was like, well, can I just share with you candidly? And you're like, yeah, I mean, if you'd like to share. And so I said, well, here's the truth. I said, and this is vulnerable for me to share, but I'm just going to share because my guess is, is you insert whatever my big thing is, and it's your thing. And that might be the very thing that we need to look at here as Evan and I do a deep dive. So many of you know that on and off, on and off, on and off for 30 years, I smoked cigarettes. It was my thing since like a teenager. And I was so proud to quit many years back. And I thought I was done forever. I mean, I was clear I was done forever. And when the pandemic hit and lockdown was happening and I was nursing a very painful little breakup, I say little now because we weren't together that long, but one of those deep ones where it's like, oh my God, it felt spiritual and anointed in the whole thing. Um, and he really felt like he was a good match for me. And I thought I had done all the work to deserve that finally and choose him and actually do all the things you say to do on your podcast, which was, I felt, okay, I'm doing it. And then when that was all going down, I went to my old coping mechanism and I picked up cigarettes again. So I say that to so many of my listeners who were what? And I know that you don't judge me. And it would be great if I didn't judge myself on these things. And I try not to. And it's my thing at night. I like to listen to podcasts in the alley with the earbuds on. And I'm just like kind of pacing super sexy, right? Like nothing great about this at all. But it's been how I've been getting through the pandemic. But what I know for sure is that it holds me back from the intimacy that I know I must be able to be open to in order to have that great love. And so, Evan, would you share with me what you said to me as soon as I disclose my big shameful secret so that we can just kind of start there and and let's just rock and roll.
1: I'm almost afraid I'm going to sound dumb by saying what I'm about to say. (laughs) It's no big deal. Mm. And... The fact that you carry this like it's a big deal, because it's your shame, your embarrassment, right? This is a very internal thing. But I could say, just as a red blooded American male, if I'm falling for you, the fact that you're a secret smoker is not going to make me run for the hills. And that if this is your big excuse for not dating, it is mostly just an excuse for not dating and diving into finding intimacy and the, the potential for heartbreak again. It's conveniently, oh, well I just got to get past the smoking phase. And so it's fine. You're allowed to do that. But your perception of yourself and what smoking means is completely different than what most men are going to take it to be. Because it's not like you're a -a two-pack-a-day defiant smoker whose life runs on that. It is a thing that you're actively trying to quit. So logically speaking, if a guy meets you and likes you, it's just, yeah, maybe a flaw, but the same way we all have flaws, it's right. not a big deal, much less the big deal that you're turning it out to be to paralyze you from love.
0: Beautifully said. And what I love about that is that it's true. It just becomes another excuse. And, I, and as soon as you said that, I, I reflected on the first two years of building my business. It's only two and a half years old. So it's still a little bit of a, it's a toddler now, right? It was an infant and, and it was just all consuming. And I use that as my excuse. And so now here we are, the business, I've got a team and I've got more time off, I can work on the business versus in than I ever have been able to do. And now this is the new excuse. So how long am I willing to live in the excuses, which is where we begin. And this is what I'm so excited about because, see, as I listen to your show and I've read many of your blog posts, which by the way, are just gold. And again, you guys go right over to fireandsoulpodcast.com. This will be at the very top of the page, most recent episode. You got to check out all the links because You are going to be obsessed just like I am. It's the real deal. And coming from a guy who, what, how many years do you have a rock solid marriage at this point?
1: We've been together for 13 years.
0: 13 years married?
1: Uh, We'll be celebrating our 12th anniversary in November. And uh, we've been together for 13. And before that, I went out with about 300 people online over 10 years. So I very very different lives.
0: <laughs> so good. And, and what's so cool about that is that, I mean, at this point in the end of 2020 or nearly, you're one of the last men or spouses standing inside of like the genre of true love coaches. It's like you still have a healthy dynamic in your own words. Most recently on your podcast, a rock solid marriage. And I was like, yes, Evan, lead the way. Very, very happy to hear that for you. I remember a few things that you said about her random quick segue, not random. I remember when you introduced me to her on the beach, you were newly dating, but clearly in love. And she was five feet away. Now, I'm sure you say this all the time, and she just owns it. And I remember you saying something like, Michelle, she's not ambitious like you, but she's happy. And I love her. And I'm so myself around her. And it's just so easy and natural. But no, is she the smartest woman I ever dated? Is she the most ambitious? No. And I remember at the time not being mature enough to receive that and thinking, oh, my God, can she hear us? And I was like, not only can she hear it, she owns it, right? Like she was like, yeah, baby, we are here in different lanes because it was totally different than the kind of woman you had been trying to go for in the past. Can we break that down just for a moment?
1: Yeah, I, I, think, I think things can be emotionally read differently by different people based on where you're coming from. So there are very few things that I would you know, disown that I said, But I don't doubt that there's times in my life I could have been more tactful or diplomatic about it. So let's start. I don't even know where to start. Let's start with the idea that you're going to be with a guy. Do you think a guy who's dating you should believe or carry himself like he is some holy combination of Chris Hemsworth and Steve Jobs? Is that realistic to think that your guy is going to be the smartest guy in the room, the best-looking guy in the room, the most charismatic guy in the room. Your guy doesn't care about that. He's with you. He won. So where he compares to other men is kind of irrelevant. So true. I'm the the one before my, my wife dated the guy before me, six foot seven. I can't compete with six foot seven. He was like a computer genius who's getting his he was getting a master's or doctorate or something. I can't. I don't. I don't do that. Yeah. So I don't spend any time, if my wife said to me, you're not the tallest guy I've ever dated, no shit. <laughs> you're, 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 you're not the biggest egghead I've ever dated, I know. You don't have the biggest cock I've ever dated, I know. You're not, you're not the, the fittest to spend the most time on your body, I know. And here we are. So saying truths out loud is not inherently offensive. No. At the end of the day, we work like two puzzle pieces fitting together and we don't we're not invested in the ego trip of thinking that either of us has to be the best in any category we're the best for each other and 13 years into my marriage you're talking about getting clearer what I said to you on the beach you can parade and I do every day smart, strong, successful women who are objectively on paper more impressive than my wife I don't have any longing or think I can do better and that's really what it's about is the knowledge that I nailed it. Yes. And the proof is that I'm happy because we all know people and we could count ourselves among them. And you've dated guys. He has his own venture capital firm. He has access to a private jet. He speaks three languages. He is never available and is cheating on you. (laughs) The idea that we, we place so much value on that external checklist Years later, it's the wrong list. We spend our whole lives looking for the wrong list. And all my work in Love You is about getting women to pay attention to the proper list so you can get happy and have an easy, enduring relationship instead of cycling through men who are more men than you and wondering why it never works.
0: Totally. By the way, your husband's store? On the episode most recently, and I will, I will link that one. You guys, it is so freaking good as sort of like a spinoff on the humor of Lori Gottlieb's husband store. Do you remember what you shared? Oh my God. So good. Okay. So this was really brilliant. And I love that you shared all that. And I, by the way, I never heard it as it wasn't tactful or that it wasn't graceful. I heard it as honest and earnest and sincere. And that is the thing that I have always been most struck about you. And I was also so happy for you. I was like, way to go, right? Another win for you. And bottom line is that I think that, yeah, what we're all looking for is that happy factor. And I remember you shared on one of your podcast episodes that at the time when you were kind of like still dating the 300 various women, it was, you really thought it needed to be more like-minded, like-hearted, like like she had to be in personal development, for for example, and that you're... The woman that you were then dating, who's now your wife, was not into it at all. You're like, however, she's like the happiest woman that I've ever met, and isn't that the reason why we're all in personal development is to like break through the bullshit that keeps us from being our most authentic, happy, joyous selves? And I was like, that's it, that's the gold. Who doesn't want more of that?
1: Well, here here was the mic drop conversation, and again, I have to have this conversation with people a lot and bring up these anecdotes that tell the story because the reason I coach more strong, successful women is a, I'm a lot like them and B I used to date them. Yes. I really, really get what it's like to strive. Hey, I'm a 95th percentile person. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I want. That's what I'm attracted to. That's what I deserve. I won't settle. I completely get that. That was me for 300 dates. And so when I was dating my wife. She was complaining about her job and she's at the same company for 16 years and she's making 60 grand with no insurance. And I was like, honey, you could start your own company. You could triple your income. You could be the boss. I don't want to be the boss. I like what I do. And why are you complaining about it? I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, everybody complains about their job. You know, I just wish it were better. I wish my boss would listen to me and give me more freedom. But honey, you could do this, but I don't want to. Honey, you should take landmark education, because they're going to show you your limitations. You should read this book by Seth Godin, who's going to show, and she said, listen, I love that you're growth oriented. She said it in my wedding vows. I've never met a guy who cares more about being a better husband, father, he'll read books, maximize, optimize. I love that. I'll just let you know, I've never done any of that. I'm happier than you. Boom. (laughs) So she wins. So good. It doesn't matter that I think she should be like me. Mm-hmm. She's good the way she is. And that always wins the day.
0: So The good. idea that
1: we all have to, the seekers always have to be with other seekers. Have you ever met a man on a spiritual path? He's annoying.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not attracted to any of them. But I'm saying, like,
1: I have all, have all these have women. women and, like
0: us women. He has to to have done the work,
1: Michelle. He has to have done the work. I'm like, no, he doesn't. (laughs) Does he treat you well? Do you respect him or you're attracted to him? Is he good to you? Does he want to, does he make your priority in his life?
0: Who cares if he's done the work? Yeah. Well, you know, so I'm so glad that you brought this up and I promise I'm going to segue back into where I got off track about 10 minutes ago, but this is such good stuff most recently someone from my past resurfaced and we didn't have like a dramatic, you know, ending. It just, it just, I was living in Florida. He was here. It just wasn't. And now we have reconnected and we're going to spend some time together very soon. And I remember having those old thoughts of like, but he's not into personal development. And like, he's never even heard of Jay Shetty or an Evan Mark Katz or whatever. Right. Like, you know, and like, And then the next thought was like, but he's about one of the happiest people I've ever come across. So let's just pause here and stay open because isn't the whole reason, and he's masculine, masculine does matter to me just because I am a very strong woman. And so, and I soften and turn way more feminine when I am around a more present masculine man. He doesn't need to make the most money. He doesn't have to be the smartest. He doesn't have to be the hottest, all those things, but present and masculine is key and nothing wrong with that. But he's happy. And so I was thinking, all the men that I've been meeting these last few years, especially getting into the live rooms of these personal development events, which, by the way, lights me up. I'm not going to change when these virtual times are over. But it doesn't mean he has to go there, because we're all going there to take our lives and our joy and our fulfillment to the next level. He's there, living it.
1: I've just never met a man who said, I refuse to date a woman who's not into fantasy football. Like <laughs> Right. And so men and women approach this differently. And again, sometimes third rail to talk about differences between men and women. I know you've done some Alison Armstrong stuff, but it's really important. Men are looking for someone who makes them feel good. And we devalue that, right? How to make a man feel good Mm -hmm. as a skill set, right? And so we, we live in the, but I make six figures, but I have a master's degree, but I have this gorgeous home, but I've been to 32 countries. He does not care. How does he feel when he's with you? Does he feel accepted? Does he feel appreciated? Does he feel admired? Because if he doesn't, it doesn't matter what your credentials are. Every guy doesn't even know this. That's the hard part. Guys keep making the same mistakes. And as women, we overvalue youth and beauty. We overvalue competence and intelligence. And then you end up with someone who doesn't necessarily make you feel like you. And so that was my big shift is I dated women who were like, Evan, I love you, but you have to change this, 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 and this. And I was like, huh, I really kind of thought we were good here.
0: Yeah. But No, but
1: you you have these flaws and they were all right. Every flaw that a girlfriend ever pointed out to me was spot on, but I didn't bring her in to be my consultant. I brought her in to love me unconditionally. I kiss my ass, not think I'm perfect. It's knowing who someone is and accepting them for their flaws. So So if you could be, you want a man to accept you for your smoking, then maybe you accept the fact that he doesn't make as much money as
0: you. Right. Well, in this case, I think he does, but like he might drink more than I actually would prefer. So it's like, okay, what if he can have, you know, his whatever at night, and I might have one cigarette and we coexist out on the patio and we're both in bliss and all is well.
1: We micromanage our relationships unlike anything else in the world. Pre- we, all, Evan. we all compromise on our homes, right? I don't know where you live, but I could be pretty sure there's a better home somewhere that yeah. is better freeway access or a better view or a smaller rent or more space or, right? There's a compromise, but it's good enough and you're happy there. Same with our respective careers. I love my job. Can't imagine doing anything else. I spend a lot of time alone at home. I wish I had colleagues. I wish there was a water cooler. I wish we could do you know, corporate retreats for the Evan Mark Cancer Organization, but we don't. We have a bunch of virtual people who are contractors who work for us. But my commute is walking downstairs <laughs> and I do something that's meaningful and I feel connected when I get to talk to women on the phone. All things considered, it's a win. In love, we think we shouldn't have to compromise. I'm gonna get a guy who is a self-made millionaire, but he's home at five to cook me dinner. I'm gonna get a guy who's brilliant, but he's not gonna be moody or stubborn or arrogant. Hmm. I'm gonna get a guy who is gorgeous, but he's really humble and he doesn't act like he's the shit and no other women are attracted to him and he doesn't even have eyes for anybody else ever. So ever. We're just expecting all the good qualities with none of the bad qualities. Right. And we're like, why is this so hard? Well, we expect compromise in our work. We expect compromise in our home. In love, we compromise on the wrong things. We compromise on kindness mm. and character and communication. We'll put up with the guy who texts once a week, the guy who can't make time to see you more than once a week. We'll put up with that, but we won't put up with the guy who's five nine.
0: <laughs> so yeah.
1: that's why I have a six-month course around these very simple ideas, learning to trust your feelings, It does matter how you feel with the guy. It does matter how you're treated. Yes. And his credentials, which you pay attention to when you're on Tinder, don't matter nearly as much because everybody's gone out with some hot douchebag.
0: Exactly. It's so interesting. I really don't think I'm going to meet someone from an online app. I just have this instinct. I could be wrong. I feel like more it's like I'm browsing than a catalog and I'm telling the universe. Yep. Yep. Nope. Yep. Nope. Nope. And here's my qualifying factor. This may sound crazy to you. It's not his height. It's not which part of LA he lives in, or even if he's in LA, it's, can I see joy in his eyes in his photos? Joy is so attractive to me at this point in my life. I also run my own business. I work hard. I'm alone a lot. Luckily I really enjoy my company maybe too much. And that's where I want to segue back to where we started 15, 20 minutes ago. But so I want to be around someone who's happy. Or at least happy-ish. You know, I'm not expecting perfection. I want him to be real and I want to admire, appreciate, you know, and um, what was the Except. first one? There we go. Except huge. There was no mistake in that. But the joy, I mean, Evan, it's crazy. I don't know if you've heard people talk about this. You could go through a hundred profiles and like maybe 10% are smiling and radiate joy. And you're like, ah, so that's the guy that gets my swipe right. I don't even know what he does for work. I just know that I want to be around happy, joyous energy.
1: I think that energy is, I, I always put, when I talk to people about love you, I always talk about this as like a GPS. That's the point you're clicking into your GPS. I want to go towards joy. And yes. if it doesn't feel like that, cut bait. Right? Yes. Slow to hire, quick to fire yes, if this doesn't feel like my dream relationship, I'm not going to stay because the sex is good. I'm not going to stay because he looks a certain part. I'm not going to stay because I'm lonely. This doesn't feel like something I could do for the next 40 years.
0: Exactly. And the way that I look at it is, is I didn't wait this long. Granted, I had excuses for a long time too. And I chose all the men that could provide a particular lifestyle for me that I hadn't yet figured out how to provide for myself. And then once I figured out, oh, I can create what I want, unlike your wife, Bridget, like that turns out was part of my destiny. I didn't know it back then to start my own company and to really grow it. And like you, can't imagine doing anything else. But once I started to realize, oh, I can fly myself wherever, I can stay in that hotel if I choose, I can live where I want in Santa Monica, I was like, oh, totally change the game in terms of my qualification factors.
1: And so, what we get to, and again, this is always sensitive, you need to date like a man. Oh, that's why I have a job. You, You, and again, I want to be gender neutral about this, but you have taken care of the things that you needed. You thought you needed men to provide. Now that that's off the table, right? Again, think of a Rupert Murdoch doesn't say, I need another billionaire. He's looking for a blonde who's 30 years younger. He's looking for the thing that he doesn't have. Yes. So when you have everything, what do you need? Well, it's the things that I'm talking about. You need someone who makes you feel safe, heard, and understood. You need a man who makes you feel accepted, appreciated, and admired, right? And what package that comes in is completely different than what you think it's going to come in, totally. which is why dating apps are generally anathema to my methodology of dating yes. is because the universe doesn't, is not paying attention to wh- where you're swiping. We're, it's just a slot machine that shows you hot or not, guys. It's, is he cute or not? Yeah. So we could talk about joy in his eyes, but... That's not really a measurable metric at all. It's a very flawed system. Yes. And so even I've got a client right now who you may even know, so I'm not going to mention her name. Small world lives lives Santa Monica. But she just started oh, I'm working with me. Okay. And she just made a, she had a long list and she's like, oh Evan, I just made a list on my phone of the things I'm looking for. And she was so excited about her new list. And her new list was something to the effect of He believes in a higher power and he has done the work. And I was like, it's just another list that describes you. Yes. You've just done another list that describes you, but nothing on your list points to how does he treat you? Yes. Are you a priority? Mm. Is he going to build his life around you? Is he going to let you fly?
0: Okay. Evan, how do we know that right out of the gate? What are the telltale signs of that?
1: You don't know anything right out of the gate, right? I believe you don't know when you've met Mr. Right. I do know that you know when you've met the wrong guy. Sure. And that's why I ask women who are notoriously feeling creatures to pay attention to their feelings. I can't tell you every client I've ever had. Yeah, I was with my boyfriend for three years. When did you know there was a problem? Three months. All the time, almost bar none ignoring their own feelings this yeah. doesn't feel right i don't feel comfortable i don't trust this guy yeah and ignoring it and ignoring it and stuffing it down so i don't think you know oh it's harps that's that's my story i didn't know my wife was the one it didn't trigger the same things that i thought it was supposed to trigger what i knew is there's absolutely no problem i'm looking for faults <laughs> but there's nothing wrong i was just confused cuz i didn't have the butterflies and the rainbows Yes. So I think once we remove the butterflies and the rainbows, we we look for a sensation that is closer to who is your best friend in the world. Is it your sister? Is it your mom? Is it your girlfriend from college? That unconditional love, let down your guard, ugly cry, stupid laugh. Who am I myself around? If you don't have that with your guy, it doesn't matter what he looks like, what he does. You need to have that feeling of nothing can break us. We are as solid as the floor we're standing on. Mm. It's the love between a mother and a daughter, right? It is closer to familial than what everybody thinks it is, some sort of disney Five romantic comedy thing. That is a dopamine hit that, if you're lucky, lasts for a year or two. And then you got 30 years beyond that, where that feeling goes away. What are you left with? It better be your best friend. That's right. I really just want people to pay attention to their feelings and stop ignoring the bad feelings.
0: Yeah, I know you put out a podcast. It had a slightly different title, but your hook on your blog was how you can trust your feelings when it comes to dating once and for all. And I listened to that one actually twice the other night. And I was like, that's just as solid as any advice or wisdom, especially at this point, 17 years later, as the true expert in this space that I've ever heard. It just resonated, you know? And when truth is truth, it just resonates. Your whole body knows if you have access to your feelings. And I was like, yeah. So if you don't really know, how it feels in terms of what it's supposed to be when it's great and aligned and good, you certainly know the other sorting mechanism, which is that I don't feel myself. I don't feel accepted. I'm I'm twisting myself in a pretzel. Does he think I'm sexy or thin enough or smart enough or whatever enough? But with the right guy, you're never going to feel that way. However, that could come across as like, there's no sizzle. There's no chemistry. Yeah, that's probably the gold.
1: Well, it's confusing yes. because... Again, I'm not a psychologist. I don't play one on TV, but we often associate romantic love with an anxious attachment style. There you like go. I'm used to emotionally unavailable guys because my father was an emotionally unavailable guy and I always had to win his love and I spent my whole life trying to win men's love. And so the default setting for a relationship is turmoil. Relationships take work. So we go to couples counseling and we make up and we break up and they, people think that's normal. And it's normal in that it's common. But it's not healthy. Just because people do it all the time doesn't mean it's good. Mm. And so I really have to help people reorient into, oh, no, peaceful is good. Easy is good. consistent is good. Because your dopamine gets triggered if you're expecting a text and you don't hear from him. And you're like, oh, my God, I hope I hear from him. What's going on? That's crazy making. And we think that's love. It's not. The guy who calls every day is what you want. Ooh, why is this guy so needy? But he's interested in you. So She's we, we often diminish people who are into us and venerate people who are unavailable. Yes. And value the thing that's harder to get, even though if you're given a binary choice, what's going to make you happier for the rest of your life? The guy who consistently calls you every day, or the guy where you never know what's going to happen next.
0: So good. So true. Beautiful segue back to my original hopeful segue, but I loved where we went so much, I wouldn't change it. But I have a lot of friends who are already well into our 40s, 50s and 60s, smart, strong, successful women, your ilk, right? And what I hear them say, I mean, we're like every day at the dog park, right? Like every day we're talking about this. And many of them have been married and or not married, but living a very independent, self-satisfying on so many levels life. Then they get all gung-ho like we were all in this together. Like we're rolling out the red carpet for love. We bought the book, Love in 90 Days, the whole thing. That's right. It was that author, beautiful. And so, and then I run into them like three weeks later and I was like, how's it going? She's like, yeah, no, not for me. And I know you come across this and I don't really need to fill in the gaps for you because you're the expert in this space. But I think that what's underneath the excuses is fear. It's maybe not that we're too particular and too selective in the husband's store sort of you know metaphor, if you will. It's that we're so afraid, do you agree? And if so, let's expand on that.
1: When I interview people to decide if they're going to be able to enroll in Love You, because it is application only, I take people through a process. And my process asks the very questions that you're asking. We talk about why now. I'll tell you transparently why now? What do you think isn't working in your love life? What problems have you had in getting your, your situation off the ground? Like what obstacles are you facing? Essentially, what are your fears? Yep. And we really just try to knock all those things down. And so you sort of stepped in the idea that it's two fears that push back against each other and adds up to a greater fear. It's fear of settling and being in a wrong relationship. Yeah. I don't want to do that again. Or it's fear of diving and making yourself vulnerable and getting your heart broken.
0: Mm. So
1: I don't want to be in a, I've been married before. I don't want to be in a bad relationship. I'd rather be alone than be in a bad relationship. Bingo. Versus. I don't even think I'll be able to take getting my heart broken again. If I really love again and let someone into my heart and that doesn't work out, I might just curl up into a ball and die. And so those two things, women have determined because of 40, 50 years of experience, these are the two most likely outcomes. They don't even know what success looks and feels like. So this is everything. It's I'm going to settle or I'm going to get devastated by a guy I love. And they don't even consider the possibility that the third option is the one that we're staring towards. I will never let you spend three years with a shitty guy. That's, I couldn't. If I'm a coach, you're you're breaking up with that guy in six weeks. So you're never going to end up with a guy who treats you poorly. And the way I can guarantee you'll never settle is because built into my program is there needs to be a measure of attraction right? And a measure of comfort. I evaluate first dates on three categories, comfort, fun, and attraction. If there's no attraction, next, there's no talking yourself into going out with someone. So you'll never find yourself in either of the two things that you think you're going to find yourself into. Because you're you're compromising on the wrong traits here. This one, you're compromising on, on attraction and chemistry and respect. And this one, you're compromising on communication and commitment. And I'm saying you don't have to compromise on either. You can get a relationship that fits all of those things. And this is where all the happy couples land. They just haven't deconstructed it like I have. But you can talk to any number of people who've been married for 10, 15, 20 years, and they'll tell you 90% of the same things I'm telling you about what a good relationship feels like. They just probably, probably haven't put as much thought into it, but it's the same idea. So we, we reverse engineer, what does a successful relationship feel like? And how do we steer you away from those two extremes, which you seem to think are the only two options.
0: Beautiful. This is so good. I love that. Look for comfort, fun, and attraction on a first date or a first few dates. And if one of those aren't there, then you know what I mean? Like
1: there's no point in going forward. You don't, you can take a six in attraction and that could grow to a nine, but you can't take a three in attraction and grow it to anything.
0: Totally. You know, it's interesting. The last long-term relationship that I had that ended about three years ago, it turns out that he had his attraction for me was like a one.
1: That was his words?
0: Yeah he, yeah, he he just didn't have physical attraction for me. It is what it is. And so now I realized that there were just, you know, it, it wasn't meant to be, but it was a beautiful gift, you know, Baba, I learned a lot about myself and um, and I don't hold anything against him. It was like whatever, whatever it was supposed to be. But there was nothing that I could do to get him to increase that attraction. That was on him to have it. He liked a woman who was about 15 years younger and who had almost no boobs and was like a size negative zero. And that was never going to be me. God bless you. Go get her. You know what I mean? I think he's still searching, but here I am in that same camp of what I mentioned a moment ago, which is that we're women of, you know, well into our forties. We have established careers or older, right? And we don't really need a man, but we would love a man that we could feel comfortable with, have fun and enjoy some attraction here and there. Imagine, right. The flirting that could be going on just on a daily basis. How fun would that be? So the access point you If I just recall properly, it's this extreme of I'm going to settle or this extreme fear of like, oh, my God, what if I have my heart broken again? Those aren't the only two camps. Hello. What about the whole other possibility of the comfort, the fun and the attraction, which is a beautiful thing?
1: Sometimes it's like asking someone who's blind to discover to describe the color blue or something like that. I talk to women and one of the other questions I ask is, have you ever experienced true unconditional love that made you feel safe, heard, and understood? Right? The stuff I talk about in the podcast all the time. Have you ever experienced that? And most of the time the answer is no. Sometimes they'll say yes, but it was only for like two months. Say, then you didn't really experience it because unconditional love, there's no conditions. It keeps going. It's solid. Usually the answer is, oh yeah, there was a guy I dated in college, but we were too young. But that was the most innocent, pure love I ever had. But usually people have never experienced the very thing
0: I'm talking about. They don't even know how to look for it or how to find
1: it. So even if, even if I handed you the guy right now, you might be confused. It might not feel like what you think love's supposed to feel like, feel like. And that's what I, that was my journey that I talk about in Love You, not to make it about me, but I was expecting to, to be with the Michelle Soro. That, that was, that was my destiny. And I kept on chasing that and banging my head against that for so long Mm -hmm. that when I had something that actually worked for me, I almost overlooked it Mm. because it didn't look like the thing I was looking for. I was really just barking up the wrong tree. Mm -hmm. And so I figured out belatedly through a lot of trial and error that it was so much more about the feeling of being accepted unconditionally. Nothing else mattered. Uh, it was just, it was so tiring to be with women that I was attracted to and respected and was wowed by where I'd be like, I'm in love with you. And she'd be like, yeah, but you're too. Too whatever. I, and, and that's, and by the way, this is the dating condition. This is not unique to me or anybody here. W- women would come to me and they'll say something like, um, you know, everybody that I'm interested in isn't interested in me and everybody's interested in me. I'm not interested in me. Isn't that messed up?
0: Huh.
1: And I said, well, that's the definition of dating. Yes. Everybody who wants me, I don't want. Everybody I want doesn't want me. And it's a, it's a Venn diagram where there's no overlap. And all you need is one and then the whole thing works out. But everybody who's online, every man and woman is turned off by the people who are interested in them and is summarily ignored or disrespected by the people that we want. Yes. So we just have to kind of figure out a way to Bring those two circles together and evaluate partners based on a feeling, not based on a checklist.
0: Yes, this is so good. We're about to wrap. There's a couple things. Have you ever seen the show Grace and Frankie on Netflix?
1: I'm aware of it. I have not. I, but have I not did meet Jane Fonda, and she still has
0: it. God, yes, she does. She's, what, 77 years old or something? 80. 80. Oh my goodness. Okay. So this was a couple seasons ago. She was there was a younger man who was wealthy and sexy, played by Peter Gallagher, who was at least 20 years younger than her, who had fallen in love with her and who was he had decided, I am going to have you. And she would always avoid spending the night with him because she was like, she would tell her best friend, Lily Tomlin, right? Like, no, he can't see me without my lashes and without my hair pieces and without all of this. And so one night in this very dramatic, very vulnerable move, she just starts to just take it all off. And she's like, there. And it gets me so emotional thinking about it because that's the smoking for me, right? So it's like, there, can you deal with this? And he was like, yes, I love you. So why I'm saying all that is because I'm so moved by this conversation right now. I am thinking like go full steam ahead with, yes, this person who's resurfaced and anyone else that I'm having first dates with and just just let them know, like, here's what I do. You know, this is what I'm doing right now, because if he can't or unless you tell me not to, I don't know. But like, do I just disclose it and like and then just like it is what it is right now. I'm hoping that it's over very shortly. But what if it isn't? Okay. (laughs) wait,
1: my listeners can't see you. He just raised his hand. I'm not, I'm raising my hand because I don't want to interrupt. You're on a roll, so. No, please continue. I think that's what you're doing. you so cute. There's good wisdom. And then there's a little bit of an overreach. I want to push back on the overreach. Okay. Everybody has some shame, fear, baggage, something that they know might make someone else not attracted to them or less interested in them. That's reasonable. That's normal. You don't dump it on someone on a first date. I went out with someone, also Santa Monica, met her on eHarmony right before I met my wife. And she told me first dates, she was a recovering alcoholic and drug addict. Oh. Now, she's a delightful human being. She ended up getting married, two kids, were Facebook friends, but it scared the hell out of me. I wasn't ready for that on the first date. I didn't have a chance to experience her or fall for her. So this is a thing. Again, this isn't, this isn't the same yeah, thing. you for al- saying
0: that. Clearly, I don't know what I'm doing here. Alcoholic and drug addict
1: you. is a bigger deal than I sneak a cigarette. But if this is a thing to you, maybe over the course of that first month of courtship where your son is circling each other, going out once a week and texting and, you know, hooking up a little bit and seeing if it's there, maybe over that time before you become a, a, a couple, that information could come out pretty organically. In a way that he's, Whatever. now now, now, Michelle, he's already bought in. Yes. And he's more likely to take it than if you just drop it on him. Because it's, it's, it, it's you, you flip it around. Think of a guy who drops something on you. Oh, by the way, I got herpes. That's perfectly fair. 25% of adults do. Yes. I don't think I need to know that after the Caesar salad.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. However, just to play devil's advocate here, I don't even want to kiss him unless he knows that because he's going to taste it. Therein lies a real fucking problem. Yes, I just dropped the F-bomb.
1: I have a couple drinks. Have, <laughs> have, have some scope. I mean-
0: the greatest love dating advice I've ever heard, guys. I mean, just like,
1: you, you, this is a much bigger issue for you. Yes. If you taste the smell of, if you taste smoke on your breath, you taste you know, something on your tongue, it's fine, right? So I think we minimize our stuff and dole it out in little drips and drabs over the course of that first month. My Part of my story is my wife was in debt. She didn't tell me until we were dating for nine months. I was all in by then. <laughs> right? She told me that on the first date. I'd be like, you're 40 grand in debt? Are you kidding me? Yeah. So I think there's ways to let people in. And, she was smart. And, but the people who just dump it all, here's my shame. Can you deal with it? That's not effective. Yeah. Thank it's you. fair, but it's not effective.
0: Thank you for letting me know that, right? Because I wouldn't have known. I would have just thought like, okay, just tell you. But that's clearly because I'm out of practice or may have never really experienced what you are prescribing in Love You.
1: I don't talk about right and wrong. I talk about effective and ineffective. Is this helping me get what I want? So how do I let a guy fall for me, experience me, decide to like me as a human being, not just as a sex object? How do I Draw this process out so I could see over a month what this man is made of. Mm. And when he's just dying to be with me, to be my boyfriend, to sleep with me, now I can let him in even more to take our relationship to the next level, which is commitment.
0: Okay. Hold on a second. How long should we be dating before we have sex?
1: You don't have sex until he's your boyfriend. And how long should that be? Five weeks, ballpark, four, six.
0: Makes sense. Yes. enough
1: time that we don't just see how much attraction we have. We see how he follows up in between dates. Yes. We yes. want to, we want to see some sustained effort. Yes. Before we judge a guy and let him into your pants or to your heart.
0: Sustained effort y'all so that you can feel safe, heard and understood.
1: You can't just choose a guy and say, Oh, he's got joy in his eyes. I'm going to fuck him and keep my fingers crossed.
0: No, I totally get it. Yes. Just for the record, that's not what I was saying or what I would do. I mean, I wish I had an easier time sleeping around, but I just don't. That's why I was asking you, like, what is reasonable? Because I'm pretty sure I am a little bit too long. Choose
1: choose a boyfriend with whom you want to have sex instead of having sex with a guy and hoping he's boyfriend worthy.
0: Oh, mic drop right there. That is so good. Okay. My final question, my friend, I feel like, like we could clearly talk forever and ever and ever. So before um, we go to my final question, where's the best place to find you? You've got a lot of resources. You're the trifecta between your blog, your podcast, and your Love You University. Where is the first place you would like us to start?
1: My name is Evan Mark Katz. I'm a dating coach for Smart, Strong, Successful Men. Um, I've been doing it for 17 years. I have 1,700 blog posts, about 150 podcasts. My website is a little bit of a mess now, but I'm redoing it for 2021. So just come there. Give me your email address. Look around. If you like what you see, type in, you know, just give me your email address and I'll send free stuff to you. And if at any point you want to apply to Love You, the website will tell you how to do it.
0: Awesome. So good. All right. Very true to form, being very much into personal development and all the things. Um, I ask every guest at the end of the show, how do you define an awakened soul?
1: Gosh, I might not mm. be the best person to answer that question.
0: Right turn,
1: um, uh, <laughs> honey. I
0: mean, there is no wrong answer. I've heard. A no, hundred no, no, no. It, it's. it's I,
1: I'm. I'm not trying to resist answering your question. I'm. If I'm being genuinely self-effacing, I don't use the word "soul" or "awakened" ever to describe me. So that's that's just that's my issue. Uh, my, my shame. So my interpretation of that would be someone who sees the world as it is rather than how they want it to be. Someone who has enough powers of self-awareness to deal with reality and take the necessary steps to improve how they operate within that reality. And that's not sexy, but that's my whole MO is I don't do spiritual. Love you is all very practical advice. When should I sleep with him? What should I say in this text? How long should I wait until we move in together? Like very tangible, practical things because I don't know about all that other stuff. The only thing I could say is human behavior is kind of predictable. If you do X, he will do Y. If he does Y, you should do Z. And it's almost formulaic. And once you build up the muscle memory, this stuff all becomes really easy and fun.
0: Ooh, so good. Easy and fun is what we love. By the way, I love the answer. Instead of giving anything meaning and projecting meaning onto that, you're just seeing it as it is from a neutral observation. And that is probably woke as anyone could ever hope to be. So it is deep- my, my,
1: my weak ass definition. Yes.
0: I love that definition. Thank you so much for coming on the show and for taking the time to give us your heart and your soul. I'm so grateful. And again, guys, I'll leave all of the resources over there at Fire and Soul Podcast. Thanks for listening.